Good morning. Good to see you all today. Well, a while back there were these three preachers. They were at lunch together, and they were having a conversation about prayer. And they were talking about the best uh, position to pray in. And as they were praying, or as they were talking at lunch, there was a person sitting by the next table. He worked for a local power company. So some of y'all would like to hear this joke. And, uh, and they were talking about the best way to pray. And one preacher said, well, for me, kneeling's the best. I think that's the best way to pray. Get on your knees and pour out your heart to the Lord. The other preacher said, no, I, you know, I get the best results from standing with my hands outstretched to heaven. That's, that's the best way to pray, I think. And the third preacher said, no, you're both wrong. The most effective prayer position is lying prostrate face down on the floor. That's the best way, most effective, most biblical way to pray. Well, the, 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 uh, the lineman from the power company was nearby and he couldn't contain himself any longer. He said, no, y'all got it all wrong. The best praying I've ever done was hanging upside down from a utility pole. <laughs> See, my joke at 8.30 was so bad I had to change the joke. I mean, it was really bad at 8.30. If you want to hear a bad joke, go watch it online anyway. All right. Unfortunately, many times when we think of praying, we think of something like that, right? We're hanging upside down from a power pole, right? We think of praying where there's no other option, no other hope. Well, that is certainly a time to pray. Uh, that's not when we should do most of our praying. We're going to see today how Jesus instructed his disciples to pray and not only when it was at a time where there was no hope, but as they made their life day after day. So we're looking at the importance of prayer, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Luke says, And he, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Father in heaven, we thank you that we are able to pray to you, and we all confess, Lord, the sin of not praying enough, of not coming to you enough, of not trusting you enough. We have this incredible pour out our hearts and, and come to you with any of our needs, and for so many of us, we, we, we forget, or we don't prioritize it, or we wait until it's something that's just so incredible. Then we pour out our hearts to you. And Lord, you always have answered. You've always answered, which is why we're here today. So Lord, help us continue today to uh, remember 
and realize the importance of prayer as we learn in this scripture today. Lord, I pray that my words today reflect your heart that you wrote in the Bible today. And that you fill me with your spirit in preaching and proclaiming your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three things that we're going to see today about prayer from this passage. Number one, we are to pray continually. We are to pray continually. So as Jesus is, is on the way to the cross, he realizes that his disciples are about to go through some of their darkest days. And they've seen Jesus perform signs. Uh, they've seen him perform wonders. They've seen him perform mighty works. They've experienced this. They've experienced his life-giving teaching. They've experienced his love for others and how he's helped people. But he has started to tell them some difficult truths. He started to tell them some difficult truths. He, he's, he's told them to avoid the temptation of sin. He's told them to, to also not be the bringer of sin into people's lives. And he's told them to forgive others when they sin against them. And their response to these truths were, help, increase our faith. And so they're already just start, starting to experience the, the difficulties inherent in following Jesus. But when Jesus is betrayed, uh, when he's arrested, when he's beaten and mocked and killed, things will get worse for them. And he knows this. So as he is on his way to his death and his crucifixion, he starts talking more and more to his disciples, preparing them for life without him. And this is where we're at today. So he gives them a parable today. To encourage them, many times the parables were, were, uh, were warnings to many people about what the kingdom of God was like. But this was an encouraging parable that he wants his disciples to be encouraged by with, and it should encourage us. Verse 1, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So the goal of the parable had, was twofold. The first goal was for them to always pray, and the second was them to not lose heart to lose heart means to to lose your spirit your will to fight your will to live it means to be weary it means to to be exhausted and he doesn't want them to get that way and the way to not get that way is to pray is to always pray when we quit praying that exhaustion is easier to 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 come we get exhausted easier we, we get we get we get weary easier when we don't pray following Jesus, uh, we, we have the times of difficulty are worse because we're not calling out to the Lord. So to avoid losing our spirit, to avoid weariness, to avoid spiritual exhaustion or spiritual burnout, he says don't forget to pray. Continual prayer is critical to avoiding spiritual burnout. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. God's Word instructs us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if you ever wonder what God's will was, we know at least it's these three things. If you came up to me and said, Pastor, I need to know God's will, I'll take you to this verse right here. 
His will is for you to always rejoice. His will is for you to always pray and to always give thanks. And you start doing that, then you'll start understanding what God's specific will for your life might be when you start doing the general will for your life. Paul wrote these words. He, he lived this life. He, he prayed without ceasing. We are called to pray without ceasing. Now, what does that mean, to pray without ceasing? That means I'm supposed to be praying 100% of the time I'm awake. Like, what, 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 what does that mean by that? Well, it's more this idea that we pray throughout the day and circumstances that we, we, we come across. Right? Every decision. Think about how many decisions you make in one day. You know, today I had to decide... When I woke up, a lot of things. I had to decide what time I wanted to get out of the bed. <laughs> I had to decide what type of socks to wear. I had to decide what type of shirt. And usually I try to do this the night before, right? So I don't have to think about it in the morning. I have to decide what I want to eat for breakfast. What I want to drink for breakfast. All these kind of things. These, these, and, and I'm not even out the door yet, right? Made all these decisions. Have I prayed about them? Now, I'm not telling you that you should pray about what socks you should wear every day. But we should have that type of mindset to where we have we, this, this idea of praying about everything because every decision we make has a consequence and every decision we make ultimately leads to a spiritual consequence, or spiritual ramifications. So we need to pray continually. So we need to understand the importance of having a mindset of always thinking about prayer. Not prayer as a last resort, not when we're just hanging from the telephone pole. But before we get to the position where we hang on the telephone pole, before we climb the telephone pole, say, Lord, keep me safe before I climb this, not as we're hanging there. Right? So continually pray. Put ourselves in a posture of doing so. Secondly, not only do we pray continually, we pray persistently. Now, continually is just this idea that I'm going to be praying throughout the day, but persistence is a different kind of thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a resolute type of praying. It's a, it's a persistent, it's I'm not going to quit praying. Right? It's a determination. Verse 2, he gives the parable. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So here is a judge who's the decision maker for the town, Right? And not only did he not love God, he didn't love people. Now, we don't know if he's always been this way. We don't know if, if dealing with court cases every single day made him not love people or made him not love God or what happened, but he didn't love either ones, which is the opposite of what God's called us to do. God's called us to love God and love others. This man loved it neither. He didn't love God and didn't love others. In other words, he's, he's making judgments based on not the love for the people, not love for God. He's making judgments based on what he just seems is right. So he only cared about himself is what this is trying to say. This would be the, the definition of being selfish, of being self-serving. And he was the, the lead decision maker. He was the man who was making the decisions in the town. But there was a widow who was about to meet, and he would realize that this widow was more stubborn than he was. Look at verse, two, verse 3. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Now, why would she keep coming to him? Because he kept telling her no. So she kept coming and she would come Monday morning and he would say, nope, sorry. 
Next morning, he'd come out of his, his office, and he'd, he'd go and sit in his judgment seat. There she was again. No. Wednesday rolls around. He'd come out and start his day. There she was again. No. Day after day after day. This has the idea of always being first in line. There she is. Every day he knew he would have to see this woman. She would ask the same thing, and he would tell her no every day. Now, we don't really know the details of why she had an adversary. We do know as a widow, she had no husband, so there was no advocate to fight for her. She had to fight for herself. But there was a person in her life who had caused her trouble, and she needed justice. They needed to to bring brought to justice. And her only recourse was to go to the decision maker of the town, who was a man who did not love God and did not care about her situation. Verse 4. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice. Not because I love her or because she needs justice. Why? So that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. This just kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. He's so self-serving. He just wants to get the problem out of his hair. She's asked a few times. She keeps saying no. But what he didn't count on was there was no law against asking every day. (laughs) Nothing he could do about it. She's going to be there every day asking for help and that injustice. And that was the persistence she had. She had no other recourse. She had no other options. She was going to come every day. And Jesus relates this persistence into how we should be when we ask God for things in prayer. That persistence is what he's saying. Look at Colossians 4.2. We see this throughout Scripture. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6.18. We are to pray at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, praying, supplication for all the saints. The Bible commands us to be persistent in our prayers. To be persistent. Not because we need, we're trying to earn God's love or something, but because it's beneficial for us. It's beneficial for the saints, God's people. It's beneficial for us. He, look at Ephesians 6.18 again. He's telling Christians to pray for each other. If I told you right now, that I knew there were 10 people that prayed for you this morning. I somehow knew that. Well, how would that make you feel? You would feel somewhat encouraged, wouldn't you? Now, we don't ever know the people that have prayed for us. But if, if, I, if, I, if I could list 10, the 10 people that I know prayed for you this morning, you would be like, wow, I, you know, I'm being prayed for. I didn't even know it. That's how it should be. We're, we're to pray for each other. He wants God's people to pray for each other. The Bible commands us to be persistent in our prayers, just like this woman would not leave the judge alone. That's the type of persistence we need. Well, uh, you may have seen some of these superhero movies the last few years, some of these Marvel movies. My children have watched them, and I like them. And there's this one movie uh, called Doctor Strange that came out a few years ago. And there's a scene in the movie that reminds me of this passage, actually. So I'm trying not to get too nerdy with you here. But Doctor Strange finds himself fighting this galactic entity... Uh, named Dormammu. 
He's all-powerful. He's going to destroy the world. And he can't be stopped. And he, and he kills Doctor Strange and thinks everything's okay with it, right? He's going to destroy the world. But Doctor Strange possesses this little stone that turns back time. It's a time stone. So he kills Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange turns back time, and there he is again. And he kills him again, and he pops up again. And it keeps happening over and over and over again. He eliminates Doctor Strange, but he has a time stone, so he keeps turning back time, and he pops up over and over again. And this cosmic entity that's all-powerful is forced to relive this over and over again until he gives Doctor Strange what he wants, and that is to leave Earth alone. And finally, he, the, this galactic entity realizes that he is a prisoner of Doctor Strange's time loop. Because even though he's all-powerful, he can't stop Dr. Strange from rebooting time and going it over and over and over again. And this way, this widow made that judge her prisoner. <laughs> Every day, she was going to be there. She was not going to let him leave her alone until he gave her what he wanted. And when he realized he didn't have the freedom he thought he had, he gave her justice. That is persistence. And she finally got justice because the judge didn't want to be bothered anymore. Now, what does Jesus say about this? Look at verse 6. He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. He's saying, in the same way, this is how we should pray. We should pray persistently for what we need. We should pray with the desperation of a widow who has no advocate. The most helpless person there could be, we pray with that desperation. But the good news is, we are not that helpless. We don't ha have the desperation of a widow with no advocate because we have Jesus interceding on our behalf. When we take our prayers to God, Jesus is there taking our prayers to the Father, interceding because of what He's done on the cross. He is our intermediary, and our prayers are heard. And furthermore, we don't have a selfish, self-serving judge hearing our case. We have a loving God hearing our case. Why wouldn't we be as persistent or more than a widow facing an unfair judge we don't have to hold god hostage in a time loop he is he is more than happy to be there for us and that's what he says pray persistently he says i want you to come to me as much as possible as much as possible that's how powerful our powerful our god is we all can come to him at the same time and he hears all of us so we pray continually and we pray persistently and number three we pray expectantly now the widow really had no expectation that it, that he would cave in but she had some hope but we are to have complete hope complete hope that god will answer our prayers we should expect it we should expect it right? we should expect god to work. I was watching the uh, Clemson game last night. I'm a Carolina fan, right? I had no fear Clemson was going to lose that game. They were well coached. I've seen them play for years. I expected them to win. They got a little close. They won the game. I expected them to win. They're not going to lose that game. That's how we should be when it comes to prayer with the Lord. We expect God's going to answer us. We know who He is. We should know who He is. We know how He works. 
We should expect him to answer our prayers. Look at verse 7. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? He explains this parable. He says that God is a completely good judge, a true judge. He would never withhold justice from his people. Here's, here's something he's also talking about with prayer. If someone has sinned against you, we just learned that we were to forgive them every time. And why can we do that? Because we know that God is just. God is just. And it works the other way around, too. If you've sinned against somebody, you don't want them their revenge. You want God's justice for you as well. God's justice is more fair than we can ever imagine. But he gives it out. So we, we can forgive someone no matter what they've done to us because we're not the judge God is. And he says he will always, what's it say? He will always give justice to his elect, his people who cry out to him. Always. So we are free to forgive because the judge is going to judge. He's infinitely better than us judging. So he says, why do we not pray like the widow? She figured she had no chance, but she still prayed. But God says he will always give you, in this case, the justice you need. He will always give an answer to your prayers. So no matter what wrong you've been through, you have a judge that will vindicate you. No matter what. You have a judge that will give you justice and he will do not delay, it says, when we cry out to him. Look at Psalms 41. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. And that phrase, heard my cry, assumes that he, his cry was answered. Waited patiently for the Lord. Now, God doesn't tell us He's going to give us what we need when we want it, but He but He is going to give us what we need. It's persistence, it's patience. Look at Psalm one sixteen two, because He inclined His ear to me, therefore I will call on Him as long as I live. So we see even in the Old Testament, those who wrote those Psalms had experience with God. Saving them. And I think of David who wrote these psalms. He had his boss, his best friend's dad, King Saul, after him, trying to kill him, hiding in caves on the run. He had his own son doing the same years later. It looked like David many times had no hope, but God continued to vindicate him, continued to save him, continued to give him justice. And many times the justice that God gave David's enemies David wasn't happy with. He cried when his son died. His son's son that, came, that tried to kill him. He mourned over it. But he let God be God. So no matter what we've been through, we have a judge that will give us justice and we can cry out to him. Look what he says in verse 8. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Right? It's going to happen. There's no delay. And he does this even when we don't have the faith. Look what it says. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? God's going to give justice whether there's faith or not. But he wants, when he comes back, when Jesus comes back, he paints this picture that when he comes back one day, he doesn't know how many believers will be here. But even if there's not as many as there should be, or there won't be as, we know, as much as he desires, we know that. 
He's still coming and he still will execute justice. We should pray expecting that God will answer our prayers and that he will do that. He tells us to. Well, there was one region of Africa many years ago, the first people that became Christians. They were very diligent in their prayer life. In fact, each believer, each Christian had their own special place outside the village where they would walk to and they would pray. There were these prayer rooms, but they weren't rooms that were out in the, in the, in the bush, so to speak, right? And they would, they would go, and, and as they would go pray, you know how it is, when you, when you walk through the woods, you create a path. There would be a path made. You know, we have this in my own backyard. We have a swing set, and as soon as we put that swing set up, within three weeks, there was paths underneath the swings. Because my kids were using them. There will be a day where they don't use them anymore, and the grass is going to grow back, and that will be a sad day, <laughs> right? Good day for the grass, sad day for the family. Right? It didn't take long for a path to be worn into the grass. Uh, that's how it was. They all had these prayer rooms, and, and they would go out to their, to their private areas, and their foot paths would form. But every now and then, grass would start to grow over some of the trails. And when that happened, people knew that that person was not praying as much as they should have been praying. They weren't going out to their trail anymore because the grass was growing back. And so these new Christians were very concerned about each other's spiritual welfare. So something would pop up when this happened. When anyone noticed an overgrown prayer path, he or she would go to the person. They would say, hey, friend, there's grass on your path. There's grass on your path. What would your path look like today? Would you have grass on your path? Would you have a little bit of grass? Just some seedlings? Would it be completely dirty? Would there be a trench? What would it look like today if you had one of these paths? I'm not telling you this to try to make you feel guilty. I'm telling you this because a grassy path is someone who's not asking the Lord for enough help. Not asking the Lord for, for enough help that He can give you. Right? Today we're going to have an invitation time and in a few minutes we're going to sing a closing song and maybe today is the day that you need to, to commit to the Lord. Come down here at the steps and just pray to Him. Lord, help me keep a dirty path in my prayer life. Maybe you need to pray, Lord, help me pray continually. Help me pray persistently. Lord, help me pray expectantly. What, is there something going on in your life today where you said, no, I've just not prayed enough about this. I need to pray to God today. I need to give it to Him today and every day. Do you have a, a major life decision? Do you have something in your life that's just baffled you? You don't understand it. Today, start creating a prayer path in your life so that you can pray that God would hear you and he would give you the justice and the answers to prayer that you need today. When we have our time of song, come down here, pray at the altar. I'll pray with you if you want me to pray with you. Whatever you need to do today, pray to keep that path in your life not overgrown. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. For Jesus, and we thank you 
that you give us uh, this opportunity to come to you. Sometimes it might feel like you don't hear our prayers. Sometimes it might feel like to us that you're not there because we don't get maybe the instant answers. Or maybe it's something we've been praying about for a long time and we still don't feel like we have the answers. Lord, we know ultimately your way is better than our way. So help us continue to trust you as we pray. And Father, we, we take joy in knowing that those long-time prayer requests are so beautiful when they finally come about. So Father, as we close our time together today, if there's someone in here that's never placed their faith in you today, that they would do so today. They would be saved. They would receive your forgiveness today. And Lord, for those in here that, that need to make a commitment today to pray to you about a specific thing in their life, that they would. And we know that you would hear their prayer and you would answer it. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we ask these things in his name. Amen.